How's that? Is that all right? Right. Now, I'd forgotten how... I think they must have spent a long time writing the lyrics to Speak, O Lord, um, when you think about it deeply. I'd forgotten how good that is as a prayer uh, for what we're about um, to do. So we've prayed, uh, Andy's prayed too. Uh, we've heard the scriptures read. So um, we come to Romans 12. Um, that's the passage to keep open in front of you. Other things will be on the screen. Um, but first of all, we need to meet um, uh, pedantic Peter, Patrick, sorry, pedantic Patrick. I've deliberately chosen names of nobody in the congregation, okay? Um, pedantic Patrick. Um, church is about spotting what's wrong. That's why you come. Uh, Patrick's agenda is to spot all the imperfections in our gathering. That's what it's uh, about. Uh, on the other hand, there's positive Paula. I'm not quite sure why she's on the phone, but she looks positive. Uh, and for Paula, nothing is ever wrong with church. Uh, her agenda is just how perfect church is. She just loves it. Everything's great. Maybe it's just pure escapism for her from everything else. But you suspect that for both Patrick and Paula... Uh, nothing much changes in the way they think and live. And when they leave church, they're the same as when they arrived. Now, this is uh, pondering Percy. I could, I could have had philosophical Percy, but it wasn't quite as good a per. Um, he just loves to think. That's why he's smiling. Um, his agenda isn't really to find answers that will make a difference, um, but it's uh, answers that will change him. But he just so loves thinking. He finds it so interesting to hear about God and people and right and wrong and what others think and what the Bible says. And so he's thinking all the time, but never to find answers that might actually make a difference to him. That's pondering Percy. And then um, practical Patricia... Um, I, I actually had to get Jill to do a search for names again with P. I was beginning to struggle. Um, who aren't in the congregation? Obviously, there's a perfect Paul coming up, but not there yet. Um, <laughs> Jill said I wasn't allowed to use that. Uh, practical Patricia. Um, she doesn't really want to think about anything. Uh, she just kind of wants to be told, do this, do that. Do it this way. And for her, it doesn't matter why. There's no kind of foundation that she needs. She's not looking to grow in wisdom and understanding. Just wants simple, detached instructions. Well, there they are. Um, and I guess we'd all recognize a little bit of one or the other, more or less, uh, in our own selves. But they've all come with their different sort of approach, different attitudes, different gender, uh, agendas as they've come to church. Now, we've been thinking through elements of our morning service. Um, 
These are the five that we'll be thinking of. There's probably a sixth one coming. James and I are in debate about what well, I'm going to tell them. Shall I just tell them? James, James wants a sixth C, which is, which is coffee. Um, uh, at, at the end, but that's important. So uh, that is now going to happen. So we'll work out who does that and then so on. Okay, fine. Anyway, so far we've done call uh, and we've done confession. And today we're doing commitment. And the call, well, one of the ways to think about the call to worship God is to think about the question, who are we with? You remember God speaks first and he calls us to himself. God calls us to worship him, to acknowledge him, to bow down and honor him. And so we are with him as we gather. It's his call that's brought us together. But we're also with all the company of heaven, united with all the believers on earth by God's Spirit. We can't see that reality, but faith is being certain of what we do not see. But that is the reality, because Christ's Spirit unites us all in Christ. All his people around the world in all ages with all the company of heaven. That's who we are with. Hebrews 12, you'll remember. And we've done confession. And a way to get at that question is to ask, who have we been made? Who have we been made into? As we confess, as we own up to our sins, as we have done already, we receive full assurance that our sins are forgiven by Christ's death. Sin is swept away. They're not counted against us anymore. Instead, God pours his Spirit out upon us and we cry by the Spirit, Jesus is Lord, God is Abba, Father. So confession brings that full assurance that we have been made into God's family. We are his household. That's who we are. This morning, we have an identity, the children of God, together. So what is our response to be? What is our response to being God's household together? What should we do? And the answer to that is, as we're thinking this morning, in part, commitment. Setting ourselves to be for him. Uh, Patrick, Paula, Percy and Patricia all had their agendas when they came to church. But at its best, our morning service reflects a better approach. What we do actually turns every other agenda upside down. As God's children who meet with him and with all believers who've received such amazing, free and undeserved favour to become his household, his people, we come committed to God's agenda. So when we talk about commitment, that's what we're talking about. Commitment to God's agenda. 
not to be the pedant or the, 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 the ponderer who just wants to think or, or so on and so on. Those agendas are turned upside down. As God's household, we are here to hear what he has on his agenda, committed to him and what he wants. So obviously, uh, the scriptures are going to play a central part in that for us. They're going to play a central part in our service, naturally. Um, Moses said this of, of, of the words of God. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. To be members of God's household is to, um, to recognize that God's words are our life. The life that God's, God brings us and the life that we are to live. The scriptures will be central in helping us with that. So famously, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking their thinking words, correcting and training in righteousness their living words, things we do, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God brings his life to us and shows us the life we are to live through his word as his spirit carries that word to us. The spirit wrote the scriptures and the spirit carries the scriptures to us so that we might have life and know how to live. Uh, So there are six parts of our service about commitment. Um, and they all start with and are shaped by the teaching of the Scriptures because we're committed to God's agenda. And the first of these is listening. Listening, or your word be heard. Uh, When the Bible is read or preached... Judy's just read it, so I'm preaching. When the Bible is read or preached, who are you listening for? Who are you listening to? See, the Bible uh, doesn't present itself as a book about God. And preaching isn't someone talking about God. God. The Bible being read and preached is God personally addressing us, his household. That's what it is. That's how the Bible sees itself and that's how the Bible sees preaching. The Bible being read and preached is God personally addressing the household that he has called together, made into his, his family, and so he addresses us. So to be committed to God's agenda is to listen to him. That's who we are listening for. That's who we are listening to. Now, we find that quite easy to accept when the Bible's being read. We understand that. But it's always in, in since, um, well, since the New Testament 
but recovered at the Reformation in large extent, it's similarly to be the way we're to think about preaching. And if we think about it a little bit, we know that it's the case that it is God who speaks through preaching. Because God has already transformed us, he's already changed our lives, and he's already changed the lives of millions of people in history through the weak and flawed preaching of his servants. Every single sermon that has ever been preached for the pedants, with the exception of Jesus, every single person that has ever, be, ever, every single sermon that has ever been preached has been preached by flawed and weak preachers. And yet, God is heard and his people are transformed and the church is built. The way God does it by his spirit is through the weak and flawed preaching of brothers and sisters. Even the Bible is written by weak and flawed people. And yet it is the very word of God. God stubbornly through history, God stubbornly brings life through the scriptures read and preached by the power of his Holy Spirit. So being committed to God's agenda reminds us who are we listening to? Who are we listening for when we gather on a Sunday morning? It is God's personal address to his gathered family. So, in a sense, you want pondering Percy and practical Patricia. They need to get together to hear what God has said so that we're transformed by him. Because the second question is not only who are we listening to or for, but what are we hoping for? When God addresses us, what are we hoping for from a, a gathering on a Sunday? What are, we, what are we looking for as we come from these parts of our service? Well, we, when God addresses us, we want to grow in our understanding and be moved in our will. Uh, or to put it more simply, we want to be going, okay, I hear what you, I understand that, God. I should think and act like this. And I want to think and act like this. That's what we're hoping for. As we gather as God's household and listen to his word, we don't just want to kind of have something to think about or just have a sort of detached instruction or just look for holes or whatever it is. As we gather and hear God address us, we want to say, okay, okay, I understand that. Right, I understand this is how I must think and this is what I must do. And I want to think and do like that. Because I'm committed to God's agenda for me and for our life together as a church family. 
What are we hoping for from the Bible read and preached? To have what we want changed, shaped, and encouraged in the right direction. Beyond thinking, but to to want to have what we want changed by the God who knows and who loves us and has made us his household. So we do work ourselves quite hard. Um, It's what we're notorious for, long sermons. We do work ourselves hard when we gather as the household. But that's because we expect God to be helping us, to be changing us and transforming us as we sit under his word together as a mark of our commitment to his agenda. Now, we've been having some discussions recently and um, Andy's done a great job this morning because our 11 to 14 sit with us at this point. I can see some of them now. And it is very hard work for you guys, you younger guys. So uh, Andy's taken a great step this morning. I've even had some pictures on the screen. We're we're trying to help uh, with that. If you're over 14, knuckle down. But, and that's some of the adults as well. But we, we, are, we are working on that because what we're aiming for for you youngsters, I'm trying to spy you, what we're, what we're aiming for is that you're still coming to join with God's household to listen to what God has to say, to be shaped by him, not when you're 15, 16, but when you're 80. That's what we're aiming for, for you 11 and 12 and 13 year olds, that you'll still be doing this in six, seven decades' time. It's what we want for you, and it's why God has put you in a church family, to get you on that road, to be committed to his agenda and to learn from him. You may be wondering what's happened to Romans chapter 12. Um, Well, the last 10 minutes has merely been an explanation of these first two verses. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that he's called us and he's constituted us as his household, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So to be committed to his agenda, to offer ourselves to him. So don't conform to the pattern of this world. No, come and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to me. May my word be heard, not just audibly, but in our hearts. May it take root. That's what I mean by heard. Listening, your word be heard. And so we're transformed because our minds are renewed. Then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We want to do what he wants and he's taught us about that well far more briefly the next five elements of commitment oh that's wrong Uh, that's the third one 
I've, got, I've, I've done something that I haven't understood on my computer. Uh, that's the second one, confessing. Now, this is confessing in a slightly different way from the main second call, confession, commitment. We confess the truth. Your truth be held, we might say. This is part of the commitment, our response to God's mercy uh, in our service. Uh, this is when we say what we believe, the creed. Um, I might often introduce a creed by saying, Christian, what do you believe? And you go, I believe, or we believe, as God's household. And when we do that, we're positioning ourselves and saying, this is, these are the big truths about the universe in which we live. We believe that God is the creator of all things. We believe that his son was born in the flesh, in the world. We believe that his spirit is at work. We believe that Jesus will return. And it's part of our expressing our commitment to God's agenda that we say these things and we position ourselves submitting ourselves to these truths. And that's why confess, in this sense, is a better word than profess our faith. Um, to profess something uh, is in public, but it might not be true. To confess something is to admit that it is true, and that may or may not be public. We're saying as God's household that we hold we position ourselves under these truths that he has taught us. So a creed is generally a statement of belief, a summary of the big truths of the Bible. Things that can be said by all Christians in every age as the things which God has done and who he is. And repeating those things has protected God's household over the years from all sorts of errors. Churches that have thrown out creeds often drift away from Trinitarian uh, doctrine, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They drift away on the doctrine of creation. There's examples of how they drift away on understanding how the death of Christ saves us and all sorts of confusions about the future. So as God's household, we say, okay, these are the big truths that you've taught us through the Scriptures. This is where we position ourselves. Thirdly, praying. Your will be done. Part of our response and commitment to God. And people talk about prayers being a bit of a shopping list, you make a list of things and you pray for them and so on, this and this and this and this and this. Well, it always struck me that the Lord's Prayer is a shopping list. It's this and this and this and this and this. It's just the right shopping list for the prayers that we should be praying. And if we're committed to God's agenda, who do you think our prayers should be for? So, of course, we pray for various situations, for people, even pray for ourselves. 
But what we ask in those situations and for those people and for ourselves ought to be for his honour, for his purpose, for his will to be done. So fundamentally, I know we don't think like this most of the time, but fundamentally, we should be praying for what he wants if we're committed to his agenda. Um, Every line of the Lord's Prayer is what God wants. Hallowed be your name. It's for him. Your kingdom come, we say to him. Your will be done on earth it is heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Well, that's about us, isn't it? Well, just God created us for us to enjoy his good creation. It's part of his purpose that we are provided for. That's what he wants for us. Just as he wants us to be forgiven. He sent his son to die for us to prove it. Just as he doesn't want us drifting off into temptation and being overcome by evil. So when we do pray for ourselves, we need to pray for ourselves what God wants for us. And when we pray, we pray for his glory and honor and kingdom and will. You'll notice the centrality of the Scriptures, not just in our listening, but in knowing what to confess and in knowing what to pray. And fourthly, giving. Your work be done. Part, Part of commitment is to pay for God's work to be done. Uh, In my 18 years, nearly 18 years here, I have always been amazed by the generosity, that expression of commitment from the church family here to the work that we seek to do for God. Um, Alistair, next week, we'll have our annual stewardship week next week, so we'll think a bit more about giving then. Um, Alistair will take us through that. But do pray for the PCC, who are responsible for, for managing the generous gifts of commitment that you give for the work of God in this part of the world. Do pray for us, that his work be done through that. Now you might be sitting there thinking, hang on a minute, we don't have a collection. Well, um, two things to say to that. Lots of people give electronically. Alistair will talk about that next week. But basically, that's because of COVID, because they said we couldn't hand round a collection plate anymore because it had spread COVID. And we, it's one of those things that's been left over and we've never got back to that. But at very least, we need to reintroduce to our services at least a prayer of thanksgiving to God for all that he has provided for us an opportunity for us to express this as his household that we want to, we want to give to the work of his household uh, here and in the world. Giving is part of our commitment 
to God's agenda. And so all these things form part of our services. Because we've been called, we've been made his household. So what do we do? Well, we listen to him, we stand under his truth. We, we ask him to do his good purposes and we give to his work. And then there are the last two kind of begin on a Sunday but spill over into the rest of the week. Uh, uniting your people be one. Uh, You might have been wondering again where Romans 12 had gone. Well, this is basically verses 5 to 13. We don't have any time now to work through it. But look at verse 5. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We can't be a member of the household and somehow be an independent Christian. All the members, though many, each member belongs to all the others. We're a genuine family because we've been constituted and brought together by God. And so the use of our gifts, which is verses 3 to 8, And the actions of love for one another, which is verses 9 to 13. These are what we express in part as we gather, but ought to overflow into our week as we share our lives together. And one of the things that God does for us as we listen to him and pray for his help is he shapes us and teaches us what those gifts might be and how we might use them and how those acts of love and service might be expressed uh, towards one another as we live through the week. And finally, living. Your ways be known. We're shaped by this household gathering for our life of witness in the church. Uh, sorry, in the world, outside the church. That's where we'll all go after this service. What will we have learned as God's household, as he's gathered us together to transform us? What will we have learned to help us in that week to come? We'll think more about those last two uh, as we head towards commissioning, which is the, the fifth of the seas on our Sunday mornings. Committed to God's agenda. So we don't really want to be any of these, do we? That really is the opposite of the kind of attitude and heart that would bring us to church for these reasons. A commitment to his agenda. A commitment to him. It's all about him. So let's set ourselves to be for him. We'll have inadequacies in all those aspects of our Sunday gathering. We'll fall short in all of them. 
But let's set ourselves to be for him as his household. And when we gather, let's look to be transformed and to do and to want to do his will together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray for the work of your Spirit in our hearts, that we would understand more clearly how you have called us to yourself, how you have made us your household. And Father, that we might understand uh, better how you wish to transform us, renewing our minds, so that we're not conformed to the world, but actually reflect the Lord Jesus and live like him. Father, we pray that you would give us a heart for this, not just to understand it, but to want to be changed by you, to want to think differently because we can trust what you teach us and to want to live differently because we trust that what you command us is worth obeying and is never foolish. Father, grant us hearts that want to do what you want. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.